Pastor Josh set us on a series of the values of Mission Ebenezer Family Church. And um, the values are to restore people to their relationship with God. To equip disciples to go out into the world, as Jackie was saying, to take the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world through missions and through discipleship groups to set their hearts on fire for God. To let them know that God is not too far away from those that are helpless and hopeless and those who need transformation. And the third value is uh, equip uh, and send. Excuse me, restore, equip, and then send. So restore means to bring people back to God. Equip uh, to disciple people and send them with the gospel message and then to send them out to the world as we do with our missionaries. We're still on Restore, and um, I would like to turn your attention to uh, a, a story of restoration, a story of restoration that we find in the Gospel of St. John, chapter 5, the Gospel of St. John, chapter 5. If you have your Bible, look, look there for me. Uh, if you have your Bible app, open it up. And look for John chapter 5. St. John chapter 5. And St. John tells us a wonderful story. A wonderful story of Jesus healing a paralyzed man at the pool of Bethesda in Jerusalem. The pool of Bethesda. The word Bethesda means a pool of mercy. Or house of mercy. Literally, bait in Hebrew means house. Everybody says bait. Bait means house. Bethesda means house of mercy. There's two words there, bait and then chesed. Chesed, uh, the Hebrew word for mercy. For mercy or compassion. Um, the uh, Greek word is eleos. Eleos, which means Mercy. Or, or oitirmos, mercy. So all these words mean mercy, but here we have the <coughs> Hebrew composite word, Bethesda, made of two words, bet and chesed. Bet meaning house, and chesed meaning mercy. House of mercy. So the story is that there was a, a large pool, uh, and, 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 uh, Archaeological excavations right now are still going on, unearthing this pool that was thousands of years old in Jerusalem. Uh, if you go to Jerusalem to visit, as uh, we went a few years ago a couple of times, um, as you go into uh, the Sheep Gate uh, of Jerusalem, it has 13 gates. The Sheep Gate mean one, uh, where in the old days, uh, the sheep merchants would sell their sheep, uh, by the sheep, and um, the pool of Bethesda was nearby the sheep gate in the city of Jerusalem. Now, as you enter into the city of Jerusalem and you go by the sheep gate, you'll find a chapel, uh, old, old chapel built uh, uh, hundreds of years ago called St. Anne's, St. Anne's. And uh, St. Anne's is, is a, a small uh, chapel uh, built in memory of the Virgin Mary's mother, St. Anne, who loved the poor 
and had mercy on the needy, the helpless, and the hopeless. So right by St. Anne's is the archaeological excavation going on right now of the Pool of Bethesda, which actually is, is really deep. Have they unearthed layer after layer of, um, of levels, um, finally getting to the bottom level, they have unearthed what uh, they believe is uh, part of the Pool of Bethesda, where in the old days, in the days of Jesus, uh, the pool itself was, was surrounded by five porticos, that is, um, marble columns surrounding a large area of water, pool, a big pool. And uh, there was uh, porches between all the marble columns. There was five porches and then steps uh, gradating down to the pool itself. The story is, uh, as we get into it, that the people surrounded the pool because occasionally the angel of the Lord would come and trouble the waters and agitate the water of the pool. And whoever got in first was healed. That's the background. Whoever got in first after the angel of the Lord stirred the waters up was healed completely of whatever their disease or ailment or illness was. And so you can imagine that it was uh, surrounded by hundreds of people uh, cots and mattresses, people that were blind, people that were deaf, people that were crippled, uh, people uh, with uh, different ailments, all wanting to get in. And only one was healed. And so St. John writes the story. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, verse 1 of chapter 5. Jesus, our Lord. Jesus, our Lord. Everybody say, Jesus, our Lord. Make it personal. Now say, Jesus, my Lord. And maybe there's a few people here that can't say that genuinely and sincerely because Jesus is not your Lord yet. Other things have taken the primary position in your life and you're a slave to whatever it is that is your idol. But um, we're, we're glad today that many of us have been freed from our slavery to the devil, from our slavery to sin, from our slavery to fear, from our slavery to death, and we've been delivered and set free by the power of Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so uh, Jesus it, uh, says this in the story, uh, after this there was a feast of the Jews, and Yeshua, Yeshua went to Jerusalem. Jesus went to Jerusalem, the city of peace. To, he went to the feast because he's a good Jew. Jesus is not a Christian. Is everybody listening? Don't get shook up. Okay, Jesus did not follow himself. We follow Jesus. All right, so don't get shook up if I say Jesus wasn't a Christian. He was just a good Jew. And he loved God. And he taught about God. And he taught about the kingdom of his father. And Jesus is here so that you and I can look to God, the one that's seated high and lifted up, and the one whose train fills the temple with glory. The one around whom the uh, seraphim fly, six wings apiece, flying around the throne of God, suspended in the cosmic universe, the power of God, saying, holy, 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 timeless forever. God is holy and high and lifted up. Amen? And so, Jesus, God himself, okay? God himself. Who is Jesus? God himself revealed as a man. 
And that's the, the, the most powerful story in the cosmos is, is that God, the ineffable, the eternal, the invisible God, the omnipotent, the omniscient God, who no one has ever seen, the creator of the heavens and the earth by the power of his word, God spoke the worlds into existence. And right now, the scientists working with JWT, that new telescope, have seen the infinite recesses of the universe, and it still never ends, and they're wondering where it came from. Well, we know where it came from, from the power of the Word of God who spoke the worlds into existence with this mighty power and creative, creative, creative power. The cosmic engineer, I call him. The cosmic designer, I call him. And the cosmic arbiter. Those are my, the Isaac names for God. Hallelujah. Cosmic engineer, because all the tangents of your life and all the tangents of the universe are preordained by God. You met your husband, it was preordained by God. He engineered the meeting. Amen. You're not here by casualty and you're not here because you just wanted to be here. You're here Today, because God set out an appointment for you to be here ahead of time, you're here with the purpose. He's the cosmic engineer, the cosmic designer. That means that he makes flowers grow out of the concrete. That means he puts the trees in the forest. He knows how many there are. That means he's, he flies birds in the sky. That means he makes waterfalls. That means he creates galaxies. He's the designer. And the cosmic arbiter, which means judge, he is the judge. You're not the judge, I'm not the judge. Quit judging people. There's a day of judgment coming up. You're not God, right? Don't judge people the way they come into this church. Don't be looking at people up and down, looking at the way they come in this church. Don't be sniffing on people to see if they're coming in here. We want drunk people in here. We want drug addicts in here. We want the helpless in here. We want the hopeless in here. We want the down and outer in here. We want the one that everybody gave up on here. We want the weak in here because God is their strength. Is anybody here weak? <clears throat> You're in a good position. That means God can make a difference for you. Now there is at Jerusalem, by the Sheep Gate, a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue, Bethesda, or like pastor said, Beth Chesed, having five porches. Are you reading with me? In these porches lay a great multitude of impotent folk. Everybody knows what impotent means, right? All right, impotent means that they have a significant uh, medical weakness. Some blind, some lame because they can't walk, some paralyzed just lying there, some waiting for the moving of the water. I remember there was a song we used to sing when I was a child, wade in the water, wade in the water. Anybody remember that one? Wade in the water, wade in the water, children, wade in the water. God's going to trouble the waters. Amen. The waters, God's going to trouble. That means God's going to agitate the water. 
When God gets involved in your life, he agitates our life. He stirs up things in our life that we never felt before. He stirs up kindness. He stirs up faithfulness. He stirs up goodness. God stirs up all kinds of good things in our life. In a way, your little heart, your soul is the pool of Bethesda. And how many of us are waiting for God to stir the water up so we can jump in and be healed? For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool, an angel of the Lord went down into the pool and troubled the water. Whoever then got in first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in, was made well of whatever disease they had. And a certain man was there who had an infirmity for 38 years. Everybody paying attention? How long had this man been lying there? How long had he been lying there? That's a long time to be lying around. Are you following me? That's a long time. 38 years. And when Jesus saw the man lying there, and he knew that he had been there now a long time. See, Jesus went around asking, you know, he saw the man there. And uh, he, he probably asked someone, how long is this man lying there? And he said unto him, uh, uh, do you want to, uh, do you want to, do you want to, do you want to be healed? <clears throat> do you want to be healed? Do you want to be healed? But that, 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 that's not a very good translation of that. Everybody listening? That, that's not a very good translation of that. The better translation of that is, do you really want to be healed? Do you really want to be healed? Everybody listening to that? Do you really want to be healed? There's some people that say they want to be healed. They want to be freed from drug addiction. They want to be freed from alcoholism. They want to be freed from whatever challenge or trials or whatever slavery the devil has you in. And they say uh, they act like they want to be healed. But they don't really want to be healed. Anybody listening to me? They don't really want to be healed. You act, we act like we want to be healed. We act around our mom like we want to be healed. Oh, yeah, I wish I could change. You don't want to change. You're comfortable the way you are. You're comforting with the status quo. You don't want to, I don't want to really let go of that. That's the only way I know how to live is by hating people. I was raised acting like a failure. I, 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 I know what to do to be a failure so I don't have to be what God wants me to be. I know how to work it. Everybody listening? I know that. I, I really don't want that because I don't want the responsibility that comes with being healed. I've been here 38 years lying down here and he said, I can't get in because... There's nobody here to help me in. That by the time I get down there, by the time which meant that he could move. Is everybody listening? By the time I get down there, somebody else already jumped in. 
But it, it makes me think, beloved, of the story of God in St. Mark. Where God, Jesus, was speaking in a house. And there was this guy that was paralyzed that could never walk. Never could play soccer. Never could play baseball. Kickball in the streets. Of Capernaum. And he, what did this guy do? Anybody remember this guy that came in through the roof? The unlikely skylight? For those of you that like riddles, the unlikely skylight that tore the roof off a, off a house without asking permission. Who brought him to the house? His friends brought him to the house. You think this, this, this man right here that's been there for 38 years, do you think that he had friends? I'm sure he did. How did he get there? Do you think that, do you think that he had family that could have pushed him in? Yes. If that other guy had four people that brought him to that roof and tore the roof up to get in, I am sure this man had friends and relatives or people that he could pay from the money that he begged to throw him in. But I want to put a new spin on this story. I don't want to see Jesus coming up there and say, oh, my friend, I'm so sad that you've been here for 38 years. He came there to take away every excuse he had. First of all, uh, the man was there and Jesus saw him lying there. And Jesus said, do you, re do you really want to be made well? That's my spin on it, Koba. You think that's okay? The impotent man answered him and said, sir, I have no man. Excuse number one. There's nobody. There's no, what do you mean there's nobody? Excuse number two, when the water's troubled, to put me into the poo. But while I am coming, aha, 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 is the soup hot? If it's hot, give me a teaspoon. So could the man move? Yeah, he could. He could move. Man, why didn't he move down the, por the porches to get to the point where he was right there and then have someone push him in? Is everybody listening to me? Say, oh, pastor, you're mean to this guy. I'm not mean to this guy. I have people writing to me from prison for years. And I said, oh, Dr. Canales, I was in the rec room in prison and I was sitting there, and I started looking at the magazines that are there. I found one with, with your story in it. And I got your address, and I want to write to you. I've had people write to me all the time. If someone writes to me, I write, 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 I write back right away. Then all of a sudden, there's no letter for three months. Been up for life. 35 years to life for murder. But then all of a sudden, they're coming up for probation. And you get the letter that says, I was coming up for probation. They took off five years of my sentence for good behavior, but they found a knife in my cell. How'd the knife get there? The angel of the Lord? 
How'd the knife get there? Up for probation again. No letters for three months. What happened? I've been in the hole. What for? A fight in the yard. Okay? My question is, does she really want to get out? I don't think so. Sometimes I think that maybe she feels more comfortable in there. She doesn't want to come out to face the responsibility that comes with being healed, that comes with changing, that comes with giving up sin, that comes saying no to dope, that comes saying no to drugs, that comes saying no to the devil and yes to God. Sometimes people are playing around so everybody could think that you really want to change, but you don't. Just messing with God and messing with the family. Oh, pray for mijo. He wants to change, pastor. He does? Yeah. Where is he now? In the back house. How old is he? 55. <laughs> you don't want to change? He's comfortable. He's got a welfare check. He's got a post office box. No, the question is, if there's anybody in here that is in a situation like this man, and you're riding on the fence of change. God wants to restore us. God wants to transform us. God wants to change us. It's not God's fault. It's time to quit making excuses and say, here I am, Lord. I really do want to change. And I accept my responsibility to change. If you do the work, Lord, I promise I'll do my part. Don't look at me like that. You don't want to change? Yes, we do want to change. And God is there at the pool. No, you notice something about this. We're not even done with the story. Oh, time's up. Name of Jesus. Wow, goes by so fast, doesn't it? Just kidding. The impotent man answered Jesus. He gave him all his excuses. And he goes, but while I'm, I'm coming down, another one steps in before me. Jesus said to him, get up. Whoa. What did Jesus say to him? He scared the tar out of him. He said, get up. You know what rise means? You get up is a second person imperative verb. Imperative meaning a verb of command. It's not the verb of suggestion. Jesus is not recommending it. Jesus didn't say, here, let me, let me help you up here. Get a hold of my hand and see if you could take two or three steps and then I'll take you down there. Or, or Jesus didn't, didn't say to him, oh, poor mijo. Man, I feel bad for you. Jeez, it's been a long time, huh? How does it feel there to be 38 years getting bed sores? What did Jesus say to the man? Get up. And, in, and anybody in here that's in that situation, Jesus is saying to you, get up in the name of Jesus and start walking. God will do his part if we do our part. God's not going to come in and change whatever you can do for yourself. I'm sorry to say that. As many of us have started, I remember me. Lord Jesus, please change me. Lord Jesus, please change me. I've got to give you everything for you to change. Change it yourself now. Jesus said to him, 
get up. Take up your bed and walk. Every single one of those verbs is an imperative, a verb of command, a verb of harsh exhortation. And immediately, what do you think it says immediately, or euthus in Greek, euthus? I think it's immediately because Jesus scared the tar out of them. How many have been in here and Jesus scared you? I've been scared before. I've been scared by Jesus. And every time you get scared by the Lord, hey, all that means is God wants you to get closer. God wants, you to get, God wants to start a fire in your heart. God wants to set your heart on fire. God wants your hair to get on fire for God. All Jesus wants is to restore your relationship to the God that made you. He wants us to be restored to a relationship. I mean, we remember the song that uh, Pastor Nana sang, uh, I am a friend of God. You're either a friend or you're not. You're either a friend. Anybody here a friend of God? I'm a friend of God. I'm a friend of God. We talk. I want to encourage you to make God your friend and talk. Talk to God. If you're driving down the freeway, talk to him like a mad woman. Just don't start biting your sleeve when people look at you. Think you're nuts. I am a friend of God. Me and God talk. God wants to start a fire in your heart, a new relationship, a restored relationship with your creator that you would get up in Jesus' name, take up your mattress, and start walking in the name of Jesus. <clears throat> uh-huh. And immediately, the man was made well, took up his bed, and started walking. Hallelujah. Praise God. And started walking. Was Jesus walking for him? No, he started walking. You know what I also find interesting about the story? Elisha, Michael. What I find interesting about the story is that and most of the miracles that we find in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts, and the Gospels, let's say Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And most of the miracles, people came looking for Jesus to be healed. But in this one, Jesus came looking for that man. It reminded me of the lost sheep. It reminded me of the lost sheep. That no matter how lost you are, how lost we get, how far away from God we get, how guilty we feel, how full of self-pity we feel like this guy, how full of self-compassion we feel about this guy, even if you're feeling self-pity for yourself, Jesus will still come looking for you to heal us. That's the grace of God. He's not going to come by and go, this, and he doesn't really, forget this guy. And he's sitting, he's enjoying himself right there by the pool, man. What a better place to be in, on the perch on top of the fifth porch. What a better place to be right chilling. He's got like a, a group of friends around him, you know. Hey, how's it going, Bob? Oh, pretty good. How'd you get here this morning? I crawled. And then, of course, the Jews, therefore, one day, they said unto the man, once he was healed, hey, it's a Sabbath day today. Nobody's supposed to do any work. Why are you carrying your bed? That's work. Is that ridiculous? What's more important? 
carrying that bed and violating the Sabbath or listening to the word of God that says, get up, listening to God. Sometimes the law is a jerk. And he answered them. He said, he said, all I did was do what the man told me. He said, get up. So I got up. He said, take up your bed. So I took it up. You guys haven't done anything for me lately. Then they asked him again, which man uh, did it? Which man said unto thee, take up your bed and walk? And the man that was healed didn't know who it was. For Jesus had moved away and a crowd being in that place. Afterward, God, Jesus, found the man in the temple. Now, hello, this man's taking up his primary responsibility to be restored. And that was to go to the house of God. What for? To say thank you to Jesus. To bless his holy name. To lift him up on high for healing him. To be grateful for everything that God has done. To come to the house of God and begin a new relationship with God. Brand new. To be restored to his heavenly father. And now guess what? He could jump. I'd like to come in church and see some jumpers in here one of these days. <laughs> Praising God, jumping up. We got, we, we're getting a little too reverent these days. How many of us think we're getting a little too reverent now? No, nobody wants to say hallelujah. hallelujah. Nobody wants to speak in tongues. Nobody wants to say praise. Nobody wants to come up here and dance before the Lord. I'm challenging everybody right now. Quit taking yourself so seriously. And when we come into the house of God, let's come in with the heart of praise, a heart of praise and worship. And let's, let's quit trying to be reverent. You know what I mean? Let's quit trying to be reverent. Man, you go to one of these concerts and, man, all you got to do is all Tina Fey or what's that, uh, Taylor or whatever. All you got to do is see her up there. Everybody's jumping. But when they come to church, um, um, give me a break, man. Let's not be hypocrites. I always say this. How about football? How about, how about when your team is, how about when we're losing and then you come back and you start winning in the fourth quarter? You don't want to show that up here with me and Koba and all of us are in the house. Am I lying? No. But when your boy's playing basketball or football or baseball or, or your, young, your, young, your young teenager's doing something good, I mean, it's awesome. He was in the temple. And Jesus said to him, guess who else was in the temple? Guess who's in the house today? The spirit of Christ is in this house today. Jesus is in this house to restore, to heal. And Jesus said to him, check it out. Now that you're well, sin no more. Let the worst thing come unto thee. Now, I ask myself this question, those of you that are biblical scholars, 
that enjoy the, the word of God. Um, do you remember with the blind man that Jesus healed in this same gospel that um, um, the, the Pharisees were asking uh, who sinned because he's blind? Does anybody remember that? Who sinned that he is now blind? And right here, uh, Jesus is saying, go and sin no more. But what could have been this man's sin? And I was thinking, this man had the sin of complacency. This man had the sin of self-pity. This man had, has the sin of not really wanting to change. And Jesus said, go and change that. And accept everything that God has done for you. And accept the responsibility that comes for being saved, cleaned of your sins, and for being healed. There's a responsibility that comes with getting close to God. And that is to live for God. The man departed and told the Jews right away that it was God who made him well. And therefore did the Jews persecute Jesus and try to kill Jesus because he had done something on the Sabbath day, which was according to their law. I'm going to ask everybody to stand with me, please. Would you stand with me? Is the worship team around? Worship team, are you around as uh, we close our eyes today around the sanctuary? If you can't stand, if you cannot stand, just stay put right there where you're at. If you cannot stand, but if you could stand, would you please stand? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask this question. As we close our eyes right now and as we uh, think about uh, who we are and where we're at with Jesus. If there's anyone here that is saying, Pastor, I need to be restored. And, and, and I'm in that situation where I really don't want to let go. Uh, but at the same time, I know that I need to. And um, with God's help, if God gives me that spiritual nudge and God gives me the strength, I'll answer God's word and I'll stand up and I'll walk and I'll take the responsibility that comes with having Jesus restore my life and take my sins away. And as the worship team begins to play, I'm going to ask that anyone that's here that says, Pastor, that, that's me right there, Pastor. That's me. I hear God saying, get up and walk. Do you really want to be healed? Do you really want to be saved? Do you really want to change? And Pastor, I need that nudge from God to admit that I've said that I do, but I really don't. But today I'm about to change, and I'm about to accept the responsibility that comes with having Jesus touch my life. And, 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 and repeat these words with me. Repeat these words with me. Lord Jesus, I surrender to you every one of my excuses for not getting up and walking with God. Thank you for speaking words a restoration to me. Forgive my every sin. Forgive my sin of irresponsibility. Forgive my sin of self-pity. 
and I'll take up my bed and I'll walk. I'll walk with you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for the strength that you have given me. Thank you for forgiving my sins and having mercy on me. Thank you for showing me your grace. In your name I pray. Amen. Let's all give the Lord a hand of applause.